Hey, Greg said, my name is Jeff. I'm the associate pastor here at Faith Covenant Church, and uh, we are glad you guys are here with us online. Some of you here present for <laughs> joining us for training, and so we are so thankful, and um, we're just excited. I'm excited to bring the Word of God here this morning. It's been a while uh, since I've been able to preach, two months, I think. Oh my gosh, that's been a long time, <laughs> and so I'm just excited to be able to do that. I've been working hard with the tech team. We've had an excellent tech team. Uh, learning the ropes. We've had a lot of huge learning curves as we've learned to work with cameras, live stream, and do all this. So one, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for your patience as uh, we've messed with things and tried out new things and experimented. We want, I also want to say thank you for your guys' comments as you said, hey, we need more sound or we can't see or all that good stuff because uh, that's helped us uh, fine-tune what we're getting at uh, for our live stream. So I want to say thank you. I also want to just extend an invitation uh, to come and be a part of our tech team because it's an ever-growing team, and it takes four to five people a Sunday to make that happen. And so if that is something maybe you want to dive into, uh, we want to welcome you, we'll train you, we'll help get you equipped so you don't need to have previous knowledge. Um, but if you desire to be a part of that team, it'd be really great to have you. Um, also, our host team, um, our host team is here training today, and we could use more of you as we begin to re-enter. So if you're interested in being a part of our host team, our ushers and greeters, we would love for you guys to join us also. Um, you guys can comment in our Facebook uh, live stream right now that, hey, I'd love to be a part of the tech team, or I'd love to be part of the host team, and we'll reach out to you and be in contact with you this week and get you all plugged in. And there's a little bit of an incentive if you choose to be a part of one of those teams, you get to come to church every Sunday without signing up. <laughs> so, whew, there's some incentive. <laughs> yeah, we got applause. This is weird because I'm, I'm used to the camera and not having an audience. This is awesome. So, for you at home, <laughs> I'm a little taken back. It's great. So, anyway, once again, I'm excited to share the Word of God with you. And uh, I would love to just open our time in prayer this morning. So, will you join me? Dear good and gracious God, we thank you for what an amazing Lord you are. We thank you that you care for our souls, you care for us, that you provide for our needs, that you care for us just like you care for the birds in the air and the flowers in the field. And God, as we come to your word this morning, God, I pray that you would just help us cast any um, fear, any burdens, any worries that are upon our hearts just at the foot of the cross this morning and let us just receive your love, peace, and truth. God, open up our hearts and our minds to your truth and wisdom this morning and help it take root in our hearts and bear fruit in our lives. And God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Well, we're jumping right back into our Emerge series. We've taken a little bit of a break. And with our Emerge series, we are looking at how the early church has emerged um, since Christ has died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. And so during this time, we've been asking ourselves a question, a question um, of what will emerge as a result of going through this pandemic? What will result emerge out of us individually? What will emerge out of us as Faith Covenant Church? What will emerge at, out of the big church, the global church? due to this pandemic and these crazy times we're living in right now. As we've explored the emerging church in Acts, we've noticed a couple things. One, we've seen the main character of this, 
book, and that is the Holy Spirit has moved in power, anointing the disciples and the apostles with the things that they need to preach and proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. And we've seen amazing things happen as a result People coming into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but we've also witnessed miracles. We've witnessed the disciples speaking in tongues they were not accustomed to so that people could hear the truth of the gospel in their own language. We've also seen that there's a loose pattern within the narratives that we've been talking about. That when the Holy Spirit shows up, then the good news is shared, and then there's a resistance to the gospel or some kind of problem. And then new people come to faith. And the church grows in numbers, fellowship, and in unity. And we've also seen that one of the early markers of the emerging church is that the church is, does an amazing job at caring well for each other. As we read in Acts 4, verses 32 through 34, it says, All believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. And that's... I would love to just continue on that text, and I will. I'll weave that throughout the sermon this morning because I think that is pivotal to understanding the work of the Holy Spirit in the emerging church in the book of Acts. And so as we continue our emerging series, we're going to look at chapter 6 this morning in verses 1 through 7. So let me read those to you guys. In those days when the numbers of the disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were not were being overlooked in the daily distribution of, of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and they will give and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread the number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So that is our text for this morning. And when I look at that te text in light of chapter 4, I go, why were these women being left out in this situation? Why were they being left out? And we could jump to all kinds of conclusions. As I was reading commentaries, everybody has their little two cents about why these women were being left out. It's hard to imagine they're being left out because in Jewish culture, which all, almost all of them have transitioned out of Jewish culture into this new Christian culture that was emerging, there is a system in place of, for taking care of widows. It's a part 
of how they live life together as the Jewish people. In fact, they, uh, part of where we get our idea of tithing in church is from the, the verse that says, give 10% to the Levites, to the fatherless or the or- orphans, the widows, the foreigners among you, and help the poor out of that 10%. And we also see in when Moses was giving the law to the Israelites for the first time in Deuteronomy 10, 18, it says this, and he's describing the heart of God. The verses before this is all describing what the Israelites needed to do, but they're also, he's also describing the heart of God. And he says this about God, Moses does. He says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you. Give them food and clothing. That is at the heart of God. So when we look at the disciples and the apostles during this time, and we see in chapter 4 that they're caring well for everybody. What happened? What, what's, what's the chasm that caused this to happen? And I'm sure you're waiting for this super profound thing that I've come up with, but I think it just lies at the beginning of verse 1. And it says this, In those days the number of disciples was increasing. In those days, the numbers of disciples were increasing. How often in churches and in organizations, as we grow, as we get more complex, do we tend to neglect people, not on purpose, but be, or just because of sheer growth and not having a system in place to care well? I believe that is the reason that these women were overlooked. Because they were growing at such a vast number. If we look back at some of the similar texts, a lot of times when they were preaching the word of God, thousands of people were coming to faith. Thousands. And so, it can be easy. Not that it justifies, but it can be easy to begin to overlook a people group as we grow. As we emerge as a church, as the early church emerged. It can be easy to leave people out to neglect and overlook people unintentionally. In fact, I'd love to just share a story with you guys about an instance in my life where I overlooked a people group. When I was a youth pastor up in Alaska, I served up there for 10 years. My first couple years, me and my buddy were serving. uh, He was a senior high pastor. I was a junior high pastor. And we were kicking off this ministry I had probably about 10 or 15 students in my youth group when I first moved up there. And in a span of about two years, we had close to 40 students showing up for junior high youth group. And this is not any praise to me. This is glory to God. We were just loving on kids and doing, you know, doing, preaching the word, doing what we could. But through that tremendous growth of the youth group, which I know is not probably <laughs> comparative to the disciples here, me and my uh, humble leaders, we began to overlook a segment of kids. Most Alaskans, most I say, because it's not all Alaskans, are highly active. And so I'm a highly active person. I love to play games. I love to play dodgeball. I love to play basketball. And so as the youth pastor, that's the kind of games I'm programming. I want, I want things to be active, fun, competitive. But there was a segment of group of kids that were slowly sneaking off into the hall and not coming with us into the gym to play games. Because they didn't feel seen. They didn't feel heard. They didn't feel loved. 
because they didn't like those kind of games. And I know this is a simple example, but this is how easy it is to unintentionally overlook somebody. In fact, confession, I didn't even notice they were gone because I was too busy having fun with the majority of my youth group playing games until one of my youth leaders brought it up to me because they had eyes to see and they saw a couple kids hanging out in the hallway. And so it's easy for us to do this as a church. It's easy for us to do this as Christians because we lead, lead busy lives. We are, have a lot of things going on. <laughs> and so it can be easy for us to overlook people and overlook people groups even within the church. And so this takes us to verse two, and four, uh, 2 through 4. So the disciples here, so the 12 gathered the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them, and we'll give them attention, and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And so here we see the apostles not debating the problem, not taking all this time in a committee to figure out how to solve the problem, although sometimes that's needed. They see the problem, they recognize there's a solution because they're full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit and maturity. And so they say, hey, we need to elect some people because they have an understanding that they don't have the capacity right now as the apostles to take on another task. And this task is not beneath them. I think in our current culture, we can read this section of scripture and we can think that, we, um, that they're placing the word of God in prayer over waiting tables because oftentimes, if we're honest, we do that. We think people who wait tables are beneath us. We think people who serve us are beneath us. And I think we're reading our culture into this situation, and that is not true here. Why? Verse, or chapter 4 that we just read, we saw that the preaching of the word was powerful, and they cared well for each other. Those things worked together. They weren't to be separate. And I think the maturity and the wisdom of the apostles at this time, they saw that. But they also knew their human limitations. They knew that they wouldn't be able to do what God had called them to do, to preach the word and to pray and to disciple people. If you have a thousand people coming to you, that's a lot of discipling that needs to happen. <laughs> that's a lot of explaining the scriptures and how they fulfill the coming of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross for their souls and what this means for the new kingdom of God that is here present right now. That's a lot of discipling. But care is just as important. And so in no means, in way that I think they were trying to put that below them. I would think they were simply trying to help people understand that they didn't have the capacity. And they were trying to empower the body of Christ. And that's something that is a beautiful new creation. I mean, it's not even new if you really look at the Old Testament, that it was different. Israel wanted a king to serve under instead of just God. God wanted a people, and the people were supposed to care for each other and minister to each other and serve their God. God was supposed to be their king. And when Jesus came down and he died and he rose from the dead, 
and he is now our king, the people once again are supposed to serve and minister to one another as the body of Christ. We're supposed to be the body of Christ to each other. And so you see the disciples empowering the body of Christ to this task. They say, hey, find seven people. Let's get seven men up here and let's empower them. Let's lay our hands on them and let's empower them to do the ministry. They just didn't give them the task and ask them to go do it. But they brought them before all the disciples and said, hey, these are the people. These are the people that are going to be in charge of care for our community. And they're going to see to it that every single one of you is cared for. In fact, I think this is genius. I think it's empowered by the Holy Spirit that they were able to address this and and create a system quickly in order to continue what we see in Acts chapter 4. And so then we read about the response here in verses 5 and 6. And it says, the proposal pleased the whole group. The group was like, yes, thank you. (laughs) And they chose the seven men. And then they presented them to the apostles, as I just explained, and laid hands and prayed for them. They anointed them. They commissioned them. That's what we call it in the church week. They commissioned them into the uh, the servitude that they were supposed to do. In fact, this is, if you want to really get into church stuff, and church language, that's where we get our idea of deacons. This is part of one of the sections of Scripture where we get an understanding of where deacons comes from. And deacons really just means servant. They were there to serve. They commissioned them. And once again, we see in verse 7, So the word of God spread, and the numbers of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This is a celebration verse. I want to read it again. There's three things that happen here. The word of God spread. So see, they handled a problem, and the word of God spread again. They tackled the problem that was put before them, and the word of God spread. And disciples, more disciples increased. It says rapidly. (laughs) And then this, I love this. The large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So Jewish priests who opposed the Messiah being there, are all of a sudden coming into the truth and knowledge of Jesus Christ being their Messiah, being their King, and seeing this in the witness of the disciples at that time. This was the result of the disciples handling that problem well. So what does this mean for us today as a church? What does this mean for us? And I think there's two things. One, there's a personal question that we need to wrestle with individually and that is who are we who am i or you overlooking neglecting or leaving out who are you overlooking neglecting or leaving out i pause there because i just i want you to really ask yourself that important as we've seen the community the body of christ is inclusive it reaches out it enfolds people in it doesn't cast people out but we're human and we're sinful and we see people who are like us and we see people who have the same interests as as us and who are easier to talk to and so those are our people and we tend to neglect those on the side So I ask yourself again, who are you overlooking, leaving out, 
or neglected. And maybe it's not on purpose. Maybe it's just because you're busy. But sometimes we choose to leave people out. Wrestle with that with God. Don't ignore that question. It's important for your faith journey. And the next question is more of a corporate question. And who as a church body are we leaving out? Who are we neglecting? Who are we overlooking as faith covenant church? There's many people from different backgrounds, different genders, different ages within our church, different life circumstances. Who are we leaving out? Because if we believe in the word of God and we turn to Revelation and we see what happens at the end where every tongue, tribe, and nation is there, (laughs) praising the Lord, um, that's everybody, right? So like, who are we leaving out? Who, Who can we can incorporate? We live in a unique community that God has predestined us to be a part of so that we can administer the truth and the care of the love of Jesus Christ. So who are we leaving out? In our community and in this church, who are we overlooking? We need to wrestle with that. Not just staff, not just the leadership, but us as the body of Christ needs to think about that. Needs to wrestle with that. And maybe it's out of neglect like it was for the apostles, but maybe it's by choice. And that's not good either. And I... I know that angers God when it's by choice. So who? I know, being new on staff, I come into a unique situation where I, four months before the pandemic hit, I was just getting to know you guys. (laughs) I haven't, I, I always say it takes about a year to get to know a community, to see the ins and outs and the rhythms. And so I don't feel like I have the best assessment on that. But I do know there's one people group that was brought up as I candidated (laughs) and has been brought up before that often feels neglected within our community. But I also know there's people that have the heart to minister to these people and do so out of their own accord. And that is we have an elderly population within our congregation that needs care. And like I said, there's many people who have taken it upon themselves who have already are ministering to them. People who can't show up to our church, doing visitations, and caring for those who sometimes get overlooked and neglected. And I bring that up to us not because, not out of guilt and shame, but because this is one area that I think has been brought up to me. And... I want to, I know we as staff want to do something about that. Me and Kurt have been talking about how we can create systems, just like the apostles create a system in place where we are ministering to the people who are feeling overlooked. And part of the way we've been beginning to do that since I've been on staff is we revision our, our revising our, reorganizing, sorry, is a better way to put that, reorganizing our church under our vision and mission of connect grow and serve and i know a lot of you may feel the same way as we hear serve we often think missionally you know globally or maybe even in our community or our homeless population which i know we're doing 
a lot in already. Or serve also can mean the kids' ministry or the youth ministry or leading a Bible study. But I think there's a serve component that follows under that umbrella that is for care within our congregation. Care for people who are experiencing uh, sickness and just need meals. Or somebody to come say hi. And we need uh, visitations. When we have a new mother in our congregation that we're giving them meals... I'm a new parent. I know how essential that was for my former church that my, my family came alongside. My family's here visiting me today. And I have um, I've had the privilege, and it's also been hard, because I've never lived since I've been in pastoral ministry near my family. So I rely on the church family. And my family relies on our greater family within the church because we don't have family here. Maybe there's somebody else in our congregation that's the same. So as they have kids or they're doing this new thing called parenting. Maybe there's people that can be our adoptive grandparents, or their adoptive grandparents, or, you know, like, there's a lot of ways we can care for each other. There's grief, people experiencing grief, and we can care for people who are experiencing grief. We can care for people who are experiencing divorce and other painful times in our life. There's a growing part of our church where we can begin to serve each other through care. And so I think it's important and that we discern as a church, who might that team be to be that care ministry, to serve our church in that way? And I know there's many of you guys that are already doing that, but I think it's coming together more systematically to do it well, just like the disciples did, and commissioning a team to do that well. So why is this so important? This is the second part of my sermon, or a.k.a. the section I like to call my second sermon, <laughs> as I was writing this. I, it's kind of an application piece. Import, this is the importance of why we need to do that. As there's three things we see happening in the early church. We see the Holy Spirit moving in power. We see the Word of God shared, and we see a caring community growing. And with all these the power of the church is unstoppable. <coughs> but when we leave one of these out, our witness is washed out. If we preach the love of God and we preach that Christ died for all of us and we help people come into a saving knowledge of Christ, but we don't have a caring community to enfold them into, our witness is washed. Talk to the younger generation right now. And that is a lot of what they have to say about the church. The big church, not our church, but big church. <laughs> so you guys talk about love, but we don't see you loving. Or say that we care really well, but we're not leading people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the word. Then we're just a nice group of caring people <laughs> with no internal implications. And if we do it without the Holy Spirit, then we're only doing it on our own accord. And that's our will, not God's will. We want the Holy Spirit leading us and empowering us to do these three things, or two things, with its presence. And so church, this morning, I want to reread Acts 4, 32 through 34 to you. And cast a vision of what the early church looked like and what our church can continue and grow in looking like. 
Because I think we possess these things, so please do not hear that I don't think we have this. I think we're always growing and changing and needing to refine as a church. And so I want to read it to you again. It says, all the believers were were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. You guys join me in prayer. God, we thank you. You have not called us to do this alone. You've given us your Holy Spirit to empower us, to equip us for the tasks that you have called us to. And God, that you've called us not to be alone, that you've given us a community to work along, side by side in, to care for one another, to minister to one another, and to reach out into the community that you've placed us in. So God, as we go today, Lord, God, I pray through your Holy Spirit's power that you would help us wrestle with the questions, who do we leave out? Who are we neglecting? both personally and corporately as a church. And God, help us be like your mighty apostles and face that problem square on and eliminate it. Through your Holy Spirit's power, we ask this in your Son's holy and mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.